RIA Stokes and Quirk Clonmel and REA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of Extra Time. My name is Ronan Quirk. We're here until 8 o'clock this evening. We'd love to hear from you. Our text number is 083 311 That number works for WhatsApp messages as well. 083 uh, Later in tonight's show, we will be looking back on the tip Limerick match in the Dylan Quirk Foundation fundraiser that took place in Semple Stadium yesterday and we'll look ahead towards the National Hurling League Tipperary getting their National Hurling League up and running next Saturday night in Parnell Park against Dublin we'll also be speaking to Michael Breen Intercounty Hurler but also one of the backroom team behind Clamell High School as they take on um, Blackwater Lismore College in the all in the Munster um, under 19B final hurling final which will be taking place next weekend. Geraldine Canan will be with us on Camogie, Tony Smith on ladies football, rugby with Thomas Conway, David Burns on horse racing, local football with Barry Ryan, all of that to come on a busy, busy show. And don't forget we have a um, Tip, Tip FM Sports Star of the Month, which we're looking for nominations for for the month of January. So if you have somebody in mind for the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for January, just send an email to sportsstar at tipfm.com. That's sportsstar at tipfm.com. Dot com. Well, let's start with the uh, the first of the National Football League Division 4 fixtures for Tipperary. It was a home game against Carlo. Finished Carlo 3-10, Tipperary 1-14. The headline in the examiner reads, First blocks of Kelly's tip rebuild undermined by errors. Well, let's hear from the tip manager, Paul Kelly. He spoke to the assembled media in... Uh, in Semple Stadium on Saturday night. Look, there were elements to really like, um, particularly attacking. Unfortunately, if your error count is as high as that is, or was, um, it's going to be very difficult to win games, you know, um, when, when you give the ball and, and to opponents and, and uh, in the wrong areas of the field. And we just have to, every day is a learning day and we need to learn now and just try and... Um, temper that a bit better you know improve yeah. on it the second half you came out and really kind of pushed up in their kick outs you were four points down got it back to a draw game got to an extra man on the field after their red card but from then were you kind of disappointed with how the game turned from there it was a draw game when they went down to 14 but I suppose their goal was kind of the killer there in that second half yeah look as I say you know you could see you, I think it's fairly clear that if you watched the tapes again I'd be surprised if you wouldn't say all three goals were came from errors you know and uh, you know we win collectively, we lose collectively. Nobody does, nobody goes out to do it deliberately, but our error count was just far too high, far too high. You know, we all know that in there, you know, and uh, it's just a sore one, you know. They were far more clinical in front of goals. I'd say you probably had more more shots <coughs> out there, or you had more opportunities, but sometimes the final pass went or a, or a, or a poor ball control, but they were, I think they, they missed very little in front of goals. Yeah, maybe, you know, um, they're probably a little bit longer on the road, um, at the back, and let's say, you know, I'd say nothing, but, uh, you know, I just mm-hmm. think they were very clever, um, and they used their experience maybe around that back line to, to um, you know, delay and stuff like that. And fair play to them, that's mm-hmm. what football's about, you know what I mean? We might have been a bit naive at mm-hmm. times, you know. Like, like you played a, you started a half back line tonight, all debutants, <coughs> I suppose, did that come against you in the first half? They found it pretty easy to penetrate you in, in the first half. Yeah, look again, though, you know, if you, if you put balls, 
short into the keeper if you if you lose the balls up at the far 45 35 yeah. you know every damn breaks yeah <laughs> you know there's no other way of looking at it you got a great start to the second half ball and it looked like you were yeah. taking control you were five points down when you pulled it back and it looked like you were going to move on but you failed to do it yeah look as i say it's disappointing when we look back and without being you know boringly repetitive um there were parts of that game that were really exciting um we showed a lot of the good stuff that we've been working on and, and uh, uh, in, in the training. But unfortunately, if you give the ball away that often, you're going to be punished. End of, you know. They took the third goal very well also when they got yeah, the open, sco- yeah. open country. Yeah, okay, they got open country, but they got open country from, unfortunately, an error, you know. And that's the way it is, you know. There's no other way of dressing that up. You know, as you go forward now just for, for the next game what are the things that are kind of running through your mind now is okay this is one thing one element we need to work on what do you think you're going to be looking at leading up to Longford next weekend yeah look obviously it's seven games in nine weeks you know so we're probably in my view from a strength and conditioning perspective athletically we are probably we started only middle of November probably five or six weeks behind where we might have wanted to be so we have to temper our enthusiasm and work rate maybe a bit um, to, to, to look at quality on Tuesday, like, you know, because it's just one game after the other. It's very attritional. Um, but obviously the key thing is to try and uh, reduce that error count, you know, and, and um, that's fundamental for us. It won't be simple because Longford lost tonight, Leash defeated them, so Indeed. two losing teams in the opening Indeed, round. indeed, you know, and um, I know the lads obviously involved there, so so quite nice, quite quite well. So look, it's going to be a battle, and Pierce Park is a is a tight home pitch to go to. Um, reminds me of Parnell Park. Um, you know, it's it's a tight venue, and look, we have a young team. Um, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and it wasn't lost in a day uh, from that side of it. So look, we just redouble our efforts and and uh, look at the positives and and try and improve on, as I say, the basics, which are the errors. You know, and audibly disappointed. Paul Kelly there speaking to the media after that defeat for Tipperary at the hands of Carlo. 3-10 for Carlo, 1-14 for Tipperary. Tom McGrath was at it. How are you, Tom? Good, Ronan. Uh, there's lots to commend, I think. Uh, I wasn't at it, but I was listening to the commentary and from yourself and Paul's analysis of it, it f- sounded like there was a lot more go-forward ball about Tipperary this, this, on their first outing. Yeah, well, there definitely was like, and I I went home happier from it than I often went home from a match that was won. Strange. That so is was, strange, Tom. Because you said to me yeah, last yeah, week you'd have taken a two point to one victory. Yeah, but uh, but I thought I thought one fourteen like scoring had been our had, has been our problem for a while. Like, but I thought one fourteen was a fine score. Yeah. And three okay, three ten is three ten is a big lot to concede. All right, like, but I just heard bits of Paul's. Paul's thing there now, all right, and error count. Yeah, the three goals, three goals were preventable. Sad to say, you know, that sort of there were there were ones that you wouldn't expect to be given away. You know, they didn't look. The first one, Nockus one, hit the post. And in fairness, the the, the Carlo lad was awake to it, and then kind of we had a two and one situation, and one fellow left it between I think Shane O'Connell and, and Jimmy Feehan. They kind of neither of them was kind of jumped in on top of your man and your man got right, turned between the two of them and banged it into the net like and yeah second one was kind of much the same third one then of course everybody I'm a go forward man but you have to be still minding the house my, yeah. my thing is that lads play a positional thing and 
I mean, <laughs> man said to me yesterday that there was to some, some social media thing. And one one listener very disgruntled with the amount of time that I referred to the our lack of go forwardness. And I'm going to say it again that we weren't going forward enough at times. And when we did go forward in decent numbers, we were a, we were a potent threat. Like we pushed up on the Carlo on the Carlo kickouts in the early in the second half, and we made hay. We came from came from behind, got level, and got and got into a good position, and then we were a treat again. Like I, I, I don't understand. But look, a young team, yeah. learning process, and a lot, to, a lot, a lot to go out of. A lot of good I thought came out of came out of last Saturday night. I, I was I was happy going home now. Okay, well, I suppose the other thing that perhaps needs to be picked up on is that those errors can be eliminated. It's easier to eliminate errors that cause goals than it is to turn a misfiring forward line into a firing forward line. I suppose the point I'm making is, you know, those three goals cost us dearly, but that's something that can be easily rectified. Well, I think it's easier to rectify that than than it is to get get a, to put up a tally one fourteen. Like, I mean, like, kind of, I, that, that was, the big plus, I think, out the other night was the fact that, that we, were, we, were, we were attacking and we were scoring and why weren't doing it all the time? Is the bit, bit that uh, the bit that would surprise me like that? No, you can't. You can't be. Well, there has to be a certain element of defensiveness. But like we just got caught with a sucker punch for the third goal. I think if, if third goal hadn't come, we we we'd have won it. But then Carlo were Carlo were down the men for for I'd say probably twenty. Actually, those six minutes stoppage time or additional time. So Carlo were down the men for at least twenty minutes, if not twenty five minutes. And there were stages during that spell. It looked as if because Carlo had the extra man, and that was they were they were the bits that would would deny you, surprise you, disappoint you, and all that type of stuff. That we didn't, you know, we didn't 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 put our put our foot in our throat to, to quote a, 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 a term like. But yeah, but that that'll come. I mean, that that's the it's the way it's the way it happened. I think you made a point to 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 Paul during commentary like that. How often do you see fourteen beat fifteen? Because the shackles are off, and everyone everyone has to man up to what's in front of them. Then, like, there's no point of Iron and your ball. Like, mm. no, we have to go on. We have to react to the situation in front of us. And Carlo did that. And you know, Carlo will take Carlo will take plenty of points in this league. There's no doubt about that. Like, yeah, and, and, and how and much? Of course, the fear. Go on, sorry. Yeah, and and of course, my pre-tournament favourites got beaten. So that's so much. That's that's so much. How little I know about the team. Well, I I mean, in Division Four, any team I think is capable of beating anyone else. So it it does. Yeah. It does add a sense of unpredictability to it, which is something that all the I think the National Football League, by its very nature, is very, very often far more unpredictable than the Championship is. But be that as it may, how much of it, you know, Carlo were a bit more cohesive, I think, because they've been on the road. For longer than this tip, like like this tip minute management have only been in place a matter of weeks. Listening to Paul Kelly speak there, he feels we're still a bit behind on strength and conditioning. Um, they only really got down knuckled down to that in November. So there's a lot of this. This team is on a journey, and I'm not surprised that errors creep in when you're on certainly at the begin the starting trap of that journey. Yeah, well, I wouldn't subscribe to all of that, Ron. Now, and the best that I mean. Lads, are, lads will be doing something. Lads are professional themselves, like, and it's not that lads were sitting twiddling their thumbs while they were waiting for a management team to be appointed or something like that. Lads were involved with with their clubs or with whatever, and lads are professional that they would be. 
every, every lad every lad that's serious about his game now from the, the the club player up to the county player he's doing he's doing plenty of stuff off season and all that it's a it's a year long thing but they're doing stuff sorely too like and I mean gone are the days like when when it's you know the when it's the pub for three nights a week and something else for a couple of more nights and that yeah, that's our that's a profession now and there's different recreational pursuits now should we say lads are lads are more professional about the whole thing okay um, Longford next and Longford lost their opening match so it's it's interesting your analysis last week was about you know getting off to a good start when your home games I'm not saying the Longford game is a must win or anything like that but I'm, it'll be an interesting one because of the fact both teams are coming off a defeat yeah, well, it's a must-win for Longford now because it's a home match for them. So the pressure has turned. It has turned that little bit in our favor, a little bit in our favor now. Not saying that we're going to go up and confident, confident we're going to go up and win or do anything like that. But Longford are under pressure now. They have to win. They part the home games. They have, they have to win their home. That's a home game for them now. So they'll be expected to win that. They'll be disappointed after last week. They'll be kicking them for that. But Tip will be looking at things and saying, "Well, we're confident. Like we went and we we kind of performed and we." Missed a few errors, all right, like that cost it. But we've done enough right, and get a get a few more things right. Build on what you have, get a few more things right, and you'll be making progress. But with the whole thing so tight, though, the, the thing Saturday night. I mean, coming down the stretch, we probably should we should have seen out that match. There's no 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 doubt about that. But look, that's we've we've gone back over it already. That look, the result is what it is, and we're not going to change that. But it's the manner of it and the manner of performance and all that type of thing. That's all important. Yeah. Um, there was some injuries early on. I think Potty Fian did he pick up a knock? He kind of uh, collided with a, a Carlo player. Stephen Kirk again went off early as well. Stephen O'Brien limped off towards the end. You know, fellas that we'll need. Yeah, the Stephen, the Stephen one was the one that, um, well, like Stephen wasn't himself as it was the whole way through. I thought the night wasn't as much involved in the game as uh, as you maybe like that. Now Stephen O'Brien, that is that the play was just Carlo was smart with their kickouts. Now the kickout strategy for both both outfits were were decent enough. Now you know we we did we did well with all kickouts, and now they mightn't have been they mightn't have been going out beyond the sixty five or out that area, but we were securing possession from them. But um, I, I I don't know what. I I know what happened with with um, with Paddy Feehan and and Stephen Kirk. Now I, I didn't I didn't see anything happen, like, and I was a bit surprised that they moved. But then look, the lads on the sideline they see things that we don't see, and that's their that's their role. Like, mm. but, uh, yeah, they they made it, and I thought when the, when the changes were being made that they were they were tactical, like and to bring a bit of bit more pep into thing and. We did, we did in Paris, I suppose, all right. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a high fielders game. There wasn't a huge amount of good bit of tactical, strategic stuff. Like, and it was, no, no, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a decent game of football. And the fall after, like, look, it's after bringing the F back into football. Like. That's it, absolutely, and that's not no bad thing. Next Sunday, two o'clock. Glennon Brothers Pierce Park in Longford Tipperary against Longford Round 2 of the National Football League Tom we'll have a lot more to talk about then my thanks for your time tonight You're welcome Ronan Thanks indeed that's Tom McGrath joining us there after Tipperary's opening defeat at the hands of Carlo but as Tom said he was a happier man going home in the car to Lockmore than he would ordinarily be after a defeat so uh, maybe green shoots of recovery from a Tipperary point of view Let's turn our attention to hurling because uh, Tipperary took on Limerick in the um, Dylan Quirk Foundation 
fundraiser at the, on Sunday in the stadium. Let's hear from Liam Cal, who spoke to the assembled media afterwards. Yeah, Paul, I think um, a decent enough workout. In fairness to Limerick, um, they they came to came here with a, not with many of their maybe key players, but they give a really good count of themselves. Twisted as hard there for you know 35, 40 minutes of the game. I'd say, you know, John Kiley, I'd say from his side was very happy with what he has coming behind these, these key players he has and I was happy as well with, with a lot of fellas that have maybe just in the, into, our, into our squad as of late and then a few more established players that needed game time. So I think, I think a good workout for both sides. Yeah, we saw the introduction for the first time for, for us uh, of John McGrath and Paddy Cadell back and Bonner Maher and these lads. So it's squad probably kind of coming together just uh, before the league here at the minute. Yeah, that's, that's the whole objective now. We're, we're trying to get ourselves in, in order to, to start putting real shape on things. I said that, I think, to you there a couple of weeks ago after one or two of the, the, the pre-matches during the, 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 the Munster League and that. So uh, we head to Parnell Park next Saturday, which is a tough assignment. Parnell Park is not easy. Uh, you know, any time Tipperary have gone up there, we've, we've struggled. I think even the last time we went up, we could have been beaten. So... Um, number of years ago so it's important that we we're in good shape going up there that we go after the, the two points and offer and and get out of there with a win so hopefully now we'll, we'll announce a, a good fit fit 26 for uh, for next saturday and just in general captain of this year has that been decided yet uh, that'll be announced tomorrow tomorrow or Tuesday, well, nice Tuesday night of training, yeah. Spot on. And finally, just uh, the jerseys here today, we, yourselves and Limerick both had to wear the, the normal jerseys. There was a bit of gar, not gar, but a bit of a, in the background about wearing the Dylan Quirk ones. I think a rule change might be coming down the line, but probably a bit disappointed that couldn't showcase those jerseys out there today. Yeah, no, look, it, it is disappointing. I think, I think from our side, we've done, we done what we felt we, what we needed to do and wanted to do, and that's where the, the, um, the specially commissioned Dylan Quirk Foundation jersey in, uh, in a warm-up in our, our team photograph. As you can see today, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm done in the, 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 um, the charity logo as well and, and Dylan's name on the vanished door bib on the line, and, and uh, we take fierce pride in that, Paul. We're, we were, we'll always support the Dylan Quirk Foundation. It's something that'll, that'll be always very, very close to our hearts. A lot of good banter and great stories about Dylan in the dressing room before we went out today, and, and thankfully, versus this time 12 months ago, to be fair, Paul, it's, it's, it's a little bit more easier to talk about, and we're starting to, to get our heads around what, what happened as, uh, with, with Dylan's passing, and as a group, it's bringing us stronger and stronger together, and, and just through today that, that uh, a big crowd turned up and that uh, our players went out and, and played the way that Dylan would want them to play and um, as I said just pure delighted to be, to be a part of it. That's Liam Cal speaking to Paul Carroll at the end of that Dylan Quirk challenge in Semple Stadium. It finished 3.27 for Tipperary, 1.20 for Limerick. JJ Kennedy's on the line. JJ, you don't learn an awful lot from these kind of games. They're important games, important fundraisers, probably in important run-outs as well, but I'm not so sure how much we learned. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, very limited what you learn. Um, it, it was It's, it's just a, a useful run-out. It's like a good training session. Um, you know, Limerick, I suppose, brought their second team, really. Um, Tipperary had, had a, a good sprinkling of what we might call regulars uh, throughout the team, mixed up with some new guys, whereas Limerick were entirely... Uh, a sort of a B team, if you like, but on a couple of guys, I suppose, like like the Rose Hegarty and that. Uh, in as the game went on, David Reedy. But um, so you know, you put it in context. It was it was just a, it was a good workout. It was a good a good training spin, and um, 
and I think you wouldn't read any more than that into it. Mm. But it was in keeping with the sort of games that uh, you know Lean Cal and the management have been playing since since before Christmas, and it's all part of the build up for for next Saturday, which is is going to be a big one, I think. My question then becomes: How much experimentation? does Liam have? How much rope does he have uh, to experiment throughout the course of the, the league campaign? You said that the game in Dublin, I think, paraphrasing you, you're, you're placing some degree of importance on it. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would, definitely. Um, if, you look at, if you look at the league and the league schedule of games, um, I, I think that this is going to be an important one because... Um, we're probably in a, in a handy enough group, you might say, in advance. You know, you have with me there, you know, Van from there, and we would we'd normally expect uh, to win those. Uh, couldn't, couldn't take it for granted now, anything like that, but you would normally expect to to, to beat those. And uh, and Dublin are the other ones that we'd be hoping to beat. The, the remaining two games in Limerick and Waterford might be more problematic. And uh, there is another thing with the groups this year that, you know, next year's league will be based on your, your position in the group this time. So you need to finish in the top half of the group at least, and that means probably a minimum of three victories. Um, so the Dublin one, the Dublin one is important. You know, if you if you slip up next Saturday, you're you're suddenly on the back foot, and um, you know you're you're badly in need of wins. Then it's and not that, an easy venue, Dublin, though, is it? It's it's a it's a tough venue. I was actually looking at the just looking at the the, the past record. We haven't actually played too many times there, but our last two visits to to Parnell Park. Were, were days to forget. Um, we were there in 2015, and remember this was coming after 2014, I suppose, mm-hmm. with the drawn all islands and all that. So in February, the following February, we were up in Parnell Park, and um, you know we got beaten by by a dozen points. Um, we were there as, as the previous occasion. We were there as 2010. Which again is, is a great year to recall, but. You know, Dublin caught us again in a league match, beat us by nine points in Parnell Park. So our last two visits to Parnell Park were defeats. And I, I think, you know, all teams will will talk to you and, and tell you about the difficulty of playing there. It's a tight venue. The, you know, the attendance, which will be predominantly the dubs, I suppose, will be in on top of you. Uh, you know, players talk about being able to hear what's being said in the stands and, and what's being shouted and so on. Uh, and the pitch is obviously not going to be as, as, as lively as, let's say, Croke Park would be. So... It's a tough place and it can be a bit of a battle there. And uh, But I think Liam Carroll and the lads are well aware of that and they'll have the team hopefully primed to, to, to face that because they'll need to be uh, in order to get a result here, I think. He's had a pretty big panel over the course of the winter months. He's going to have to cull that and pre- presumably announce a, a league panel in the coming days. <clears throat> Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, he was just interested in, in the, the the interview with him, but he's been kind of he's announcing the captain, yeah. team captain uh, tomorrow night. And I, I thought the next question might be, when are you announcing the panel? Um, because you would expect perhaps that sometime this week there may be a, an announcement as regards a panel. And um, he has kept the thing. In fairness, he has kept it very, very fluid and and flexible. And there's a huge number of players involved since before Christmas. Um, there must have been, I don't know, there must have been 50 or more players uh, involved in total. So it's as if he has, he's going to have his main panel and then he'll have the subsidiary panel, if you like, in the background as a kind of a development group. Um, I mean, in the match yesterday, he brought on 14 subs. Um, Barry Hogan was the only starting player who actually finished the match. So it was that sort of game. And in in fairness to him, again, he's giving guys time, he's giving them play time 
and giving players a chance. They've been in the training and giving them a chance, you know, on days like this to see what they have to show. And um, and I guess all the information you have gathered from that and the player profiles you have built up will will uh, will be instructive when it comes to, to putting together the the panel to face into the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've read your piece, JJ, and I know you've kind of mentioned Sean Kennelly as somebody who's who's put his hand up if you like who else do you think has um, who has stood out for you in a, in, and it's difficult to stand out like you know we had a match in Far Field and then we played Kerry you know the, the opportunities aren't great at this time of the year because the conditions and the underfoot conditions haven't been super Yeah that's true and, and I mean individual players maybe have had individual spells and games where they have you know they, they've done some good stuff and they've caught the eye a bit and, uh, and, and in fairness all these fellas the big loads and loads of fellas who had you know a decent input here and there. I guess yesterday, you know, I would have been impressed with Andrew Ormond, for example, in a corner forward, looked looked very lively and scored one, two or three or something like that. Um, Alan Tynan, good to see him back again, looked looked uh, sharp, I thought, yesterday. John McGrath, of course, brilliant, but he's not one of the new guys. It's just great to see one of the more established fellas who, who's gone through a few tough years. And scoring goals, which is what I always, people look to John for sometimes, you know. Yeah, that's 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 true. He's certainly he's certainly a, a scorer. The question, I suppose, it raises the question whether he's best placed on the full forward line or, or out in the half line. In the last last couple of games, I mean, he's been out centre forward and has, has looked very sharp for this time of the year. And it's a great omen. I mean, just this hope that 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 continues because we certainly, the, you know, as one of the, the the more senior players on the team, this is a rebuilding team. Let's face it. And um, as one of the more senior guys on it, we need fellas like. Uh, like John McGrath putting his hand up and uh, getting back to form, the type of form we know he can deliver. Um, Owen Connolly, I thought yesterday we should have mentioned as well, uh, mm. very looks, looks strong at times at midfield. Uh, you know, some good things from him. Is midfield a position for Owen, though? I mean, I'd, uh, you see him more for Cashel than I do, but I would have always had him as a backman. Yeah, um, midfield or, or half-back. Uh, again, I, I guess some of these positions are, are, are pretty fluid. And, uh, and Connor Bowles... Uh, Kind of yeah, reinventing himself, kind of not reinventing himself because he plays centre back for his club, but in intercounty terms, reinventing himself as a half back. That's that's true, and um, has looked on different days. Has looked looked very sharp there, and of course he has he has the added dimension to his game that being a forward, he, he's he's well able to get up the field and and pick off points from distance, and that's a feature, of course, of many wing backs at this stage, and and perhaps Michael Breen as well as, as a half back. You know, he's been. He's been back in the full-back line there uh, last year and that, and he's, he's played quite a bit wing-back uh, in, in recent games. Maybe that's where the thinking is with him at the moment. And again, he's a player with a great engine who can, who can you know, coming forward with the ball, can be, can be very strong, can be a strong runner and that. So so he, so he might be fitting in there. It's one of the things with Liam Cal I found over the years that he, he surprises you at times, and he, he tend, a lot of the times um, he doesn't do the obvious. Uh, and... He positions people in in unusual places that you wouldn't have expected, and uh, I've always found actually trying to anticipate his fifteen um, is very difficult mm-hmm. because there'll always be be a few a few strange strange moves there. So I guess I would guess next Saturday that you know you'll probably have a good mixture of uh, a good sprinkling uh, of the established guys from previous years, and but you are going to have some of the newer guys in there as well. Then and it'll be a mix of the two and trying to get the balance right. Remember, he's still without people like uh, Jason Ford, for example, who, you know, who's he's had a finger operation and isn't ready to come back yet. And uh, 
Noel McGuire hasn't played any real part yet either, so he's obviously holding uh, holding him back for a while as well. So Seamus Kelly, I don't think he's going to, I haven't seen Seamus yet either, I don't think. But uh, maybe yeah, he's, he's had a rest from after his commercials exploits, I don't know. Exactly, and I, I'd imagine that that's sort of player management, that, you know, he, is, he has had a tough... Um, he has a t- had a tough run, you know, in the the, the Munster Club with, with commercials and all that. So um, players need the rest, so that, that has to be managed, and he's being kept back. So there are those limitations, and uh, so you, you sort of mix in the, you know, the Ronans and the Cahal Barretts and, and, and those guys, um, the John McGrath's and the Jake Morris's, and uh, uh, you mix in those guys with some of the new guys that are, that are shown form, Sean Ryan, uh, came on, did okay for coming on yesterday, but has shown good stuff. Yeah. Um, in training and in other games as well, so he's a guy that could well be in there. So it's just going to be interesting, Ron, and see the lineup that's that's sent into uh, Parnell Park, and um, hopefully it could be strong enough to get the result. Well, yeah, so say all of us, and I do think that we will have an awful lot to talk about next, uh, a lot more to talk about next Monday night when we've seen that lineup uh, for the Parnell Park game and see how it goes on Saturday night. JJ, we'll talk next week. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ronan. That's uh, JJ Kennedy joining us there. My thanks to him. Uh, we'll take a quick sting. We'll be back in a second with some colleges hurling. Extra time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. REA Own Dylan Nina. REA Stokes and Quirk Clon Mel. And REA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Let's turn our attention to the Munster Colleges Hurling. Delighted to be joined on the line by uh, Intercounty Hurler and teacher in. Clamell High School, Mikey Breen. How are you, Mikey? Good now, Ron. Good, first, me on. Firstly, congratulations for Clamell High School to get to this final. It means a lot to the school. It means a lot to a lot of players who perhaps mightn't be used to playing at sort of Munster final level, bearing in mind the kind of clubs they come from in South Tiberi. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, 100%. It's great for the school, um, you know, for students, teachers, for parents, for you know, for everybody in the school community, it's brilliant. Um, I suppose to generate a bit of a bit of positive news, um, and you know, something to excite um, excite the school community for a week, um, you know, in the lead into this game. But um, I suppose this has gone, you know, right right before Christmas and right through um, with with both hurling and football. So um, you know, it's it's, I it's been a tough journey, but um, a good journey so far. Um, even though last week our, our football our football career and or our football uh, journey ended um, by a point to list all last Friday after extra time. But um, no, it's been an enjoyable, enjoyable journey so far. There's a lot of commonality between the football and hurling squads. And is there a job of work for you now to try and pick them up, or does the fact that they're in a monster final it does does that job for you? If you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, I suppose we are trying. Yeah, you will be trying to pick up the boys after after a tough loss like that but the thing about it is when we kind of got the group together um, you know last uh, September or whatever wherever we started like it's um, we had a so it kept the group at the centre so you know we said we'd keep everybody involved you know if we were having a hurling session we'd have the footballers there as well they'd be getting their work in so um, from that point of view so the energy was always high within the group it wasn't one against the other Um you know, with the same management over both. Um, so, you have myself, uh, Paddy O'Gorman and uh, Tom Ryan um, involved over the team. But I suppose this, this, um, having the one group was, was, was I suppose what we went after this year. And it has paid dividends in fairness because, you know, there wasn't there wasn't um, extra p- pressure being put on the players being pulled left, right and centre 
um, and we feel it has, has, has worked out not, not too bad so far anyway. You know, I suppose the high school doesn't always compete at this level and I'm wondering, has, was there a job of work for you to convince players that they this was a level they could compete at and be competitive at and win at? Because, you know, there's a difference, we say, with like the likes of um, Thurla CBS, Nina CBS, who, who, not that they have a swagger, but they have um, a, a tradition, I think is the word I'm looking for, of playing at that level, which perhaps Clamwell don't have. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Um, and if we, from the few schools you mentioned there, like Turles, Nina, um, you know, you could take it further to, to Art Clarice and Limerick and, and mm. these places. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they, they have a real culture of, um, a hurling culture where people, you know, they go to these schools to hurl. Mm. And we're just trying to, I suppose, develop that culture in our own school too. And, and like, there's a massive amount of work going on behind the scenes, right through from first year, you know, to or under 15s, you know, under 16s, 17s, um, right up to the senior team. Uh, and there's a lot of people involved. So, like, it's it's about, I suppose, future-proofing this as well, that I suppose, you know, with the senior group last year, we got to the Munster semi against uh, Castle Troy and lost by a point after extra time in that too. Um, you know, in, in the hurling, which was, was disappointing. And I suppose that, that fueled the fire a small bit this year to, you know, at least get back to, to the semi-final. And, mm. um, you know, from there on, it's... Um, you know, into the final is, is just brilliant. But yeah, as I said, there's a lot of good guys involved um, driving the players. But the players themselves are, you know, they're an exceptional group. Um, there's never any any issues. Like, you know, they've everything been thrown at them as well from, you know, club club commitments, uh, county commitments. And you're trying to add in hurling and football in school as well there. So like there's some nights the lads are, you know, they're gone training every night of the week. Um, and it's, it's highly demanding and you add in a leaving stuff on top of that as well it's you know you have to really admire the lads um, completely so mm. yeah look they, they give so much time to this and it's it's um, as I said developing a good culture within the, within the school is, is the main the main aim um, well that trickles down uh, to the other years that you you know that you've said the work has gone on in first year but the fact that they have vision of of for fifth and sixth years playing at that Munster final level has a huge bearing on, on their own development that's it that's it yeah um, and I suppose if you know if we can get more guys into the school that want to, to play for you know that, that school jersey you know even better mm. um, but as you say the guys that are there now in first year and second year you know maybe someday they'll be looking to play on this, the, the school senior team and yeah. you know it won't be long coming around either so <laughs> that's um, true that's that's why you know liaison with the clubs and I suppose it's it, it's gone from the, the last few years as well. You know these guys have have um, gone through a lot of work with their own clubs and and work in previous years with with the school too. So like it's not just um, it's not just about what's happened this year, but it's accumulation of of you know a lot of work in the last number of years. Yeah, the games are becoming taking fast. The final is against Blackwater. Liz Moore. That's on this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's on uh, this Saturday at 12 o'clock out in Feathertown Park. So, yeah, we're trying to, to rally up the troops. And, uh, you know, I think these guys, you know, they deserve every bit of support. Um, you know, they've shown complete commitment to the school, you know, from training at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning to, um, you know, training in the dark, training in the evening time, whenever it was. Um, they were there and they were, they were I suppose, driving, driving the, the, the shoulder to the wheel for this cause. Well, it's a great story, Michael, and I wish you all uh, the very, very best of luck. The players in particular in the backroom team, I know the work that's gone in, and uh, let's just hope that uh, a Munster title is coming back to Tipperary in the coming weeks. I appreciate that. Thanks very much, Ron.
The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. Multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Kamogi is our next port of call. Jer Canan's on the line. How are you, Jer? How you doing, Ron? Always good to report on a Tipperary team getting to an All-Ireland final. And in this instance, Ursuline in Turles have uh, brought that honour back to Tipperary. Hopefully they can go one further. But they were impressive against Athen Rye. Yeah, they certainly were. And it's great to see them progress in this time last year. And they were beaten. And it was an awful stage to lose an All-Ireland semi-final. So they've come back this year. And they're after beating um, presentation of Athen Rye by seven points. 3-11-2-7. You have to say they're fully deserving of their win. Um, they played against the wind in the strong, in the first half and were, were up a point at halftime, 2-5-2-4. It was a helter-skelter of a first half with four goals, but uh, they were much the better side in the second half and um, raced into a six-point lead after 10 minutes. Quiva uh, Statham was excellent from freeze and play. She got a super goal there in the first half and another goal in the second half. Sarah Corcoran also was her usual top-class self. Paula Kirk, Danielle Ryan, Lucy Purcell. They had a great spread of scores, um, Arsaline, and that was kind of the difference between them and uh, and that and Rye. One of the things that always interests me about colleges, Harlan colleges, Camogie, is the spread of clubs that you see because they it affords the players an opportunity to play with each other where otherwise they'd be knocking lumps out of each other. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I suppose if you remember back to school, there's a great bond as well to the, yeah. to their friends that you go to school with and then you play with it. But yeah, they would be used to playing against each other at club level. Um, you have the likes of McCarkey and Charles Sarsfield and Holy Cross, all really well represented. Clonty Rossmore, um, players from, from a good spread of the county. So um, yeah, I suppose a lot of them would play with each other too, underage with, with county and a lot of them on the minor panel this year as well. So they're so used to playing against each other and with each other that um, it's a great mix. As well, you know, teams change from year on year. So how much of last year's disappointment is fueling this year's performances? Oh, I think so. And I think there's a, is there 12 or something of the girls in their leaving cert? So look, this they know this is their last chance. It kind of ends an era um, playing with our line. And, and, you know, they've important exams, I suppose, to concentrate on in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, it's all about trying to claim an all-earned title and, you know, it would be w- wonderful if they did. Um, the other semi-final has to be played yet. It's, it's the Ulster champions and the Leinster champions. So, look, I suppose Loretta Kilkenny have dominated uh, colleges, Camogie. Um, so wouldn't it be brilliant if, if it is them that they meet in the final, if they could get one over them and, you know, get a school back on top. Yeah, no, it's it's good for it's good for everything in the county and it's good for the school as well because, you know, it's a point I made to Mikey Breen earlier, you know, first years, second years are looking at that and if they don't see it, then it, it you know it trickles down. I think is the point I'm trying to make into all all years and all facets of a school as you're trying to grow a sport like Camogie in the Earth Line, which is probably better known for its hockey. Yeah, and uh, in fairness, I suppose that's the that's the, another um, joy of of school Camogie. You know the way that all the the other years go watch him and support him, mm. and like you said, look up to him and hope and try and break into the team in, in, in the future um, I think they were beaten in the Munster semi-final at the junior level so they missed out and, and progressing there but um, look there's a lot, a lot of players great commodity players after coming through the earth line and, and there's plenty more still coming through and in fairness to Olivia Gaynor there from Killadang and you know she's the stalwart there in the school driving camogie and you know I'd say they've nearly surpassed the hockey at this stage now maybe the hockey 
fraternity mightn't agree there, but they're certainly, you know, at the top, a top camogie school. Top camogie school, yeah. I probably should should stop referencing their they're a top sporting school. How about that? We'll we'll say that exactly. Uh, just a quick word on their junior uh, juniors. They were out in Division Two of the league. Yeah, they had a they had a defeat in the opening round to Cork. Um, look, it's a it's a pretty new team. Um, Bill Mullaney is a new manager in. He's working with new players. He's lost some players up to the senior panel from from last year. But uh, I know Dennis Koshy's panel during the week as well. So there's a good few players dropping down that will be will be available still going forward as well. So uh, they lost by four points, but certainly were, were impressive throughout. And their work rate especially was really impressive. But I suppose the difference between the two teams was was the, the goal that came from Lauren home in 30 seconds after the restart uh, in the second half. So that, that caught them in the end. Listen, Ger, I'll let you go. There's more pressing matters at your end, but uh, many thanks for everything you do for us here on Tip FM. I do appreciate it. Thanks, William. That's Ger Canan speaking to me just before we came on air this evening. Uh, Tony Smith's on the line to talk ladies football. Hi, Tony. Hi, Ronan. Uh, disappointment uh, on your trip to, long trip up to Tyrone um, after the great win against Cavan. Uh, was this one that got away from you, do you think, Tony? Definitely, Ronan. And I would say very disappointing because this was a game we certainly should have won. And uh, we, we played really well in the first half against a very strong win. We were leading six points to three with a couple of minutes to go. Tyrone got a fortunate goal, long-range shot for a point that dropped under the bar. Goalie couldn't do anything about it. So it finished level at half time, and we felt we were in a very good position, having played against the wind. Started the second half completely on top, but managed in the first 10 minutes to miss four clear goal chances, and that kills you. Um, but those are things that can be rectified. Same sort of argument I made earlier about our men's team. Um, you know, it's the second game out, perhaps a bit of rust, I don't know. No, it's, it's a strange one, Ronan, because we would have rated Tyrone as a better team than Cavan, you know. But we just thought on the day that we actually played some very, very good football. But it was just a case of taking the scores when they came. And we just managed to, to miss chances that on other days that we wouldn't. And fair juice to Tyrone, they kept clubbing away. And even at the very end, when they were still a point behind and time was up, they got a point from a free to level it. And then in stoppage time, they got another point from a free, which was a questionable free, I must admit. Now, obviously, I'd be wearing my tip colours when I say that, but I thought it was a harsh decision. And coming in the second minute of stoppage time, and it was obviously going to win the match for Tyrone because it was very close. It was a harsh one. Essentially, you were hard. You were never led until the final whistle, almost. Correct. That's, uh, exactly that's, that's what kills yeah. you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're in the bus so on the way down, you're reflected on that constantly. Like, oh, geez, you, like you didn't even want to think about it. And I watched the game again today, like, and it was very, very hard watching it. But, but you had to, you had to find out what can we improve on. Yeah. Who's next? Next is Leash next Sunday. We're away to Leash next Sunday. God, you're on the road. I'll tell you, clock up the yeah. miles. Yeah, but look, Leash, three, three last away. year, Leash, did Leash kind of upset your promotion plans last year? They did, and, and, and there's a certain sort of similarity here again, Ronan, because now we're on a head-to-head with Tyrone, we're behind, and obviously the, the pace setters in the division are Kildare, and we have Kildare uh, in the next match after Leash. It's actually our first home match will be Kildare. And this is a must-win match now as the way things stand because only two teams are going to go up. Well, Tony, I wish you well. Sorry about the brevity tonight, but I've got a lot to pack in. Thanks for your time. OK, Ronan, thank you. Thanks indeed, Tony Smith. News of ladies football there. We Rugby next. Extra time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina. OREA Stokes and Quirk Clon Mel. And OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie
Let's turn our attention to rugby. Lots to talk about as this weekend as always with so much action in the AIL. Uh, Clamel, unfortunately, came away from Tullamore with just a bonus point, but a good bonus point because they were trailing heavily at halftime, got two second half tries, which meant they got that bonus point, which as we both know, as we all know, is so crucial when it comes to season end. But let's turn our attention as well to events with Nina, who had a resounding win at the weekend. They're watching it for Tip FM as Thomas Conway. How are you, Thomas? Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Resounding doesn't have quite covered, does it? No, it was an annihilation, so to speak. I mean, I've really, I've rarely witnessed it as as a spectator or a reporter on any game. Just the sheer one-sided nature of it. Nina just ripped through them. Rick Malone apart. Now Malone, it should be said, a second from bottom of the table going in, 25 points separated them and Nina in the AIL Division 2A table prior uh, prior to the game. So, you know, I mean, they made the long journey down from Belfast. Not much was expected of them. They didn't deliver. Nina are a resounding success. It was an incredible performance run, I have to say. I was really just astonished by Nina's level of professionalism, uh, their efficiency with the ball, everything touched. They touched her into goals, essentially. I suppose at this stage of the season, Malone don't have an awful lot to play for and look like they're, well, they're, they're obviously in a relegation scrap and look doomed, really, to be honest, which in terms of, of their prospects of staying in that division. While Nina have so much appetite, so much hunger, coming off that not surprising defeat, but the defeat to Cashel, um, they've really got their season back on track and hunger that you see evident in Nina is clearly absent in Malone. Yeah. I mean, this this league is now Nina's lose. I mean, they're coasting at the top of, of 2A at the moment. They're on course for promotion if they can keep this going. I get the impression they were they were stung by that defeat to Cashel. They were kind of angered by it. And Saturday's performance was on to that. Uh, it was such an emphatic victory, you know, they didn't hold back. They, they, you could make the argument that the game had been won by half time, and Nina could have uh, rolled on the substitutes after that, taken uh, you know taking the back seat and relaxed a little bit. They didn't. They went in harder. They went in for more, searching for more tries. Just an insatiable appetite for tries. It was it was a resounding. It was an incredible performance. But like what, this is what we've come to expect of this Nina team now this season. They have really. Hit heights which I've never seen them hit previously. Players like Willie Coffey, David Gleeson look, you know, in pristine condition, in the best condition of their lives, uh, and they're coasting to a league title if they can if they can maintain this trajectory. That's Thomas Conway speaking to us just before we came on air. Congratulations, Nina, on that massive win over in Malone. Incidentally, Cashel drew with Nav and 13 points apiece. So it's Cashel still in second place in Division AIL2A. And as I said, a bonus point only for Clonmel in Division 2C. David Burns is on the line to talk horse racing. How are you, David? I'm good, Ron, and how are you? I'm very well, David. Lots to cram in tonight, and it's only January. But before we go on, we got to talk about the Tiestes Chase, which is one of the great winter chases in these parts of the world you know um, it's got a very very long and star studded history and no woman jockey had ever won it before but sure you don't need me to tell you what happens next No because I was there uh, on Thursday to see it which was uh, great to be able to say that in years to come and uh, it was a great performance brilliant race, uh, super crowd super atmosphere there at Gorn last Thursday Eddie Scally and his team down there did an absolutely brilliant job um, in uh, getting the day 
of successful. You know, there was challenges leading in with the weather, the wind, the rain, everything that had been there. But uh, the goal one was tough, but uh, they got through it. And we had a brilliant winner as well. And ain't that a shame? A superb ride by Rachel Blackmore and trained by Henry de Bromid. And, uh, you know, really was an outstanding uh, performance by the winner. Tinguli ran a cracker in second for Willie Mullins. Uh, Angels Dawn for the curling yard was third and Stormy Judge, of course, fourth. But uh, it was a really, really good ride by Rachel. And as I said, we've uh, spoken so many times on this show about Rachel Blackmore. And, uh, you know, I think we'll continue to do for, uh, do so for a very long time. She's a superb rider. And, uh, again, she was just at her very, very best tactically. And ain't that a shame, give it a peach. And uh, judge the fractions to perfection to win the tie assist. It's an interesting race because it's run over, what, three miles, I think. So it's not Queen Mother distance. It's not Gold Cup distance. I don't know where ain't that a shame would be steered in if it was Cheltenham bound. Yes, well, we've, you know, it's it's sometimes, well, over the years, you've had uh, winners of the Tiestes that have gone on uh, to run in much further races. Some of them, some runners that will be in the Tiestes could be aimed at the Grand National in Aintree, for example. So I'm sure the connections of Aint at a game will reassess after the win in the Tiestes. It was over three miles in a furlong. You're spot on. Took a good bit of staying, and uh, the winner certainly stayed, Ronan. There was no doubt mm. about the staying, and you would have felt that, that there could be even, you know, more room for improvement over a longer distance. So, ain't that a shame? Was a, a very good winner. Where, Does it, where sorry to cut across you. Yeah, yeah, where the winner will go. But I suppose sorry to cut across you, but very quickly, does this represent um, a return to form for the De Bromhead uh, yard, or is that am I being unfair? Have they always been in form? I think they're doing okay. I mean, it's gone so competitive, Ron. Like, I mean, Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott have been, you know, they're flag-bearing out front there. They're banging in winners left, right and centre. And uh, the rest are just, you know, doing their very best. And Henry is producing some nice horses in and out between. And that win certainly will have given the yard and everyone involved a great boost. Yeah, and in other interesting news during the weekend, Philly Warm Heart. Uh, first filly to capture a million dollars in the Pegasus World Cup Turf Inter na- Invitational Stakes. This is in Florida, I think. Aidan O'Brien on uh, making headlines again. Yeah, no, sure. Look, as I said again, a bit like Rachel. Uh, Aidan is a man on the flash, but uh, I'm not sure if you saw the run, the the race itself, or a rerun of the race run. But no. the ride in which uh, the ride the ride in which Ryan Moore gave this warm heart was absolutely outstanding. You know, he applied the same patient approach when he rode Augusta Road into strike in the Breeders' Cup last year and of course uh, voted uh, top jockey in the end of 2023 again you know the the American jockeys have just basically plotted him over the weekend and said it was like a masterclass uh, performance on board uh, the winner Warm Heart it was just a brilliant patient ride he, he really is the world's best bat jockey there's no doubt about that and of course um the winner now will go to for stud duty. She's going to be retired after the uh, uh, the weekend, and uh, with some training performance by Aidan, of course, she had one of the Ribblesdale Stake as well at Royal Ascot, the Yorkshire Oaks, and successful in France as well. And she's now going to be put to the breeding paddocks where she she will be covered by uh, Justify. So, um, certainly she's been um, certainly some servant for connections yeah. and. You'd be very excited for what she's going to produce in the future. I'd love to spend longer talking to you about that, uh, but unfortunately I don't have time, um, David. But thanks for your time tonight. I'll chat to you when I have more time in the coming weeks. Excellent, Ronan. And just a quick word, yeah. great racing at Leopardstown this weekend. Dublin Racing Festival. Lots of Cheltenham clues on offer, and it should be a brilliant weekend of racing. Cheltenham clues. Go on, yeah. <laughs>
I never get clues on Cheltenham. Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for that. All the best for Cheers, Dave. Thanks indeed. Dave Burns on horse racing. And maybe we'll have him on next week to see what he learned from the Dublin Racing Festival. Our text number 083-311-3311. Barry Ryan's on the line. Barry, how are you? How are you, Ronan? Lots to talk about, Barry, because I'm going to start with the, the, the game that I think a lot of people were looking forward to. Clameltown won, St. Michael's 2. You did say that St. Michael's would win it, but was it as easy as you thought it was going to be last week? No, not at all. Look, I'm going to be totally honest. I thought we were looking at a 4-0, 5-0. Um, huge credit to Jonathan O'Donoghue, uh, Ramey and the lads, the way they prepared the team. People often think it's easy to get a team to just sit in um, and be disciplined, but it's not because, you know, it's way easier to put a team out in a 4-3-3 and let players go and play. You know, to get players to stay in a shape, two banks of five, nobody go rogue, um, takes a huge amount of coaching. It's credit to the players and to Jonathan. And then to go down to 10 men and still not to open up and to be able to keep it as compact as they did um, it really really impressive and look Ian Cleary again with an absolute peach of a strike from 25 yards into the top corner um, it's an unbelievable renaissance for him I'm, I'm starting to wonder could I go back and squeeze out another season myself um, but be a lot of people saying no there but look absolutely brilliant <laughs> from Clamel Town I got there before you're running but no no you, I, I heard it actually in, through my earphones <laughs> but uh, in terms of St Michael's I, I came home out of Hardwick and like I found myself saying look you know typical St Michael's they always you know go to Dublin difficult venue and they get the job done but I wasn't impressed I didn't think they played well in Hardwick but I just put it down to a difficult pitch different conditions stuff like that um, and Sunday is another game where you know, there's more questions than answers and they're coming into such a huge period of the season with the Evergreen game looming large and uh, Thomas Celtic in the Munster Junior Cup next week. Um, so look, I, I'd say Johnny uh, Cremins and Michal Byrne core, you know, they're probably having a little look at things now as well. Yeah, but they keep winning. You know, you can talk about performance all you like, but, you know, it's not easy when you've got a team who's set up in two banks of five, as you say. But if they can eke out a win or find a way to win, doesn't that speak volumes? No, look, and it does. And I find, like, you know, the, you know, I, I'm not in a million years. I'm not going to write them off. But the one thing I said in Hardwick is you'll never see that back four again that we saw in Hardwick. And it's nothing individually wrong with any of the players. But that particular back four, um, it looked completely imbalanced. Um, they couldn't play out. It, it just didn't work. Um, you know, and the one thing I would say, and it'll be really, really interesting coming up to the game against Evergreen and Common Celtic, Paul Breen. Gearns and Deidre Cremins need to be in the back four and then it's one from the others for me uh, and, and I don't know what way that will look like and I'm not even for, for a million I'm not going to question Johnny Cremins in a million years that man has been in more FBI finals than I've had dinners but in terms of I just look at their back four and for years you never commented on the back four because there's always the best part to say Michaels but at the moment I'm just not sure what the makeup of it is Okay, lots more, as you say, with my, that, that game to come against Evergreen, that game to come against Clamel Celtic. Clamel Celtic had a good win on the road up at Newhill Park, 3-2 against Boris. Yeah, after being 2-0 down. So, 2-0 well um will kind of, they'll, they'll feel it's one that got away. But for Clamel Celtic, what a way to keep the momentum going to come from 2-0 down. Philly Drone getting another two goals as well. He's been a real find for them getting him in. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they go up in Cook Park. But the only thing next weekend is Clamel Celtic will not sit in like that. They don't, that's just not the way they play. Um, they're a totally different side in terms of the makeup of the players they have. I think it'll suit St. Michael's much more and the Celtic will come at them. Yeah, I know. And they're in form. You've got to say that. Celtic are in form. 
Yeah, they are. And look, you know, they'll be in terms of with Philip Drone and with they'll try and score goals with Sean Brown. They're very offensive. But I think, I, you know, I think St. Michael's will win that game because of the way that Clamel Celtic play. I would be have looked at the way Clamel Town played and go and would have said that's the blueprint going up to Cook Park. But Celtic, that's not their DNA. Um, and I think they might be a little bit too open for St. Michael's. I think St. Michael's might pick them off. I think you might see a really impressive St. Michael's performance next week. Okay, well, we'll, we'll hold you to that next week. Thanks for your time, Barry. Thanks very much, Ronan. Take care. Care Park defeated Tipperary Town in the games the day's other Premier League tie. That's all we've time for Ian O'Connor Produce. Talk to you next week. Good night and good luck. Online. On your smartphone. On your smartphone.